0: You know, dentistry is very tough. I think society doesn't give it enough credit. Unfortunately, I don't know why we're in that bottom chain of the medical. It's a tough industry. It's not easy to find people to deal with dentistry knowing that you already, when you come in, you don't want to be there.
1: Hey there, dental economist. If you're a dentist owner or a leader within a dental business thinking about growing production, case acceptance, patient and staff satisfaction, positive outcomes, and everything else that comes with running a dental business, then you're a dental economist and you've come to the right place. Welcome to The Dental Economist Show. We're meeting at the intersection of profit and purpose as I sit down with dental leaders who share their stories about dentistry, business, and growth. Welcome to the first ever episode of The Dental Economist Show. I'm your host, Mike Cuffaker, and joining me today is Randa Safe, the COO of CaliDental. CaliDental is a premier family and cosmetic dental practice with locations in Santa Maria, San Luis Obispo, Lompoc, and Bakersfield, California. Randa has built a career based on successfully developing policies and procedures that guide the daily operations of her organization in alignment with their goals and objectives. She has directed the financial activities of Cali Dental through the monitoring of forecasting reports and strategic planning to maximize revenue and successful patient outcomes. So, Randa, welcome to our podcast.
0: Thank you, Mike, for the introduction. I'm very excited to be here.
1: Yeah, well, we are excited to have you. So let's just laser in right now on, on what we're focusing on with this podcast. Obviously, you're approaching this from a COO perspective. But how should practices attempt to balance patient care with smart financial decisions?
0: It's always a very hard question. How can you make the most money without impacting patient care, without impacting a good culture within the office, without having people being overwhelmed? I think just seeing what can people handle and have efficient process around what they do. I think that's the most important thing. And I think technology is one of the best tools to do that. A lot of things that dental assistants do or doctors do or the front desk do, or even the patient when they do it, if it's easy to do, you don't have to think about it. You just enter the information. It's easy. The interface is just talking to you sometimes. It's not complicated. Like if you have the right visual in the office. If the system is set, if everybody knows what my role is, what my role ends, who's next, where does the patient go to the next step? I think having efficient and smooth, everybody wants to have flawless processes. I don't think we're there, but if we ever get there in dentistry, I think you will reach that you can you your maximize your profit with maximizing patient experience.
1: You joined Cali Dental in in 2019 after operating for a number of years in Familia Dental, which had grown to 42 locations. So now you join a new organization with Dr. Azad, and you join when there's a single office. What is the function that you feel adds the most value and is allowing you and your organization to succeed and grow?
0: I think training is important, giving them the right tools to work with showing them how the best patient care could be.
1: When you joined us for our sales and marketing summit back in June, you spoke a little bit about kind of a unique operations platform that you developed to help provide centralized services related to scheduling or consolidated claims processing, clinical and service control, or advertising marketing. Do you feel like those are all functions that a DSO should own? How do you determine what is handled at the corporate level versus what you have individual practices responsible for?
0: The way we wanted is that we wanted our clinics to focus solely on patient care. We did not want to waste time on billing. We don't want to waste time on troubleshooting hours over the phone on the authorization. We just wanted to have the staff offer the service and offer it well to our patients and focus. And from the minute the patient entered the doors, until they exit, to make sure your focus is just the patients in front of you and making sure we give good care. All the rest is taken out of the office. Simply said, everything else, marketing, HR, billing, collection, because those are like very repetitive things. And if you take them out of their hand, it just gives them the opportunity to focus on the important thing which is actually talking to the patient, which takes a lot. It takes a good customer service skill. It takes a lot of patience. Coming to the dentist is no fun at all. I am very anxious when I go to the dentist uh, and I work in a dental company. So the first thing you want, you want compassionate people in the front that they come and they don't have to worry about, oh my God, I have 100 claims that I have to submit. How am I going to do that? And it helps. It helps that you have one focus and that's what you're going to do all day. Obviously, they have to check in patients, but This is where it comes that you're gonna have to automate as much as possible for them to stay keeping focused on the patients. And this is why we decided that you know what, everything that doesn't have to do with patient care is going to be out of the office. And it makes it easier because, for example, if you want to do marketing, well, you get someone expert in marketing and does marketing for all the offices. If you want to someone that does someone billing, then all they do is billing. That's their expertise. So. You have the opportunity to hire experts in their own task that they do that not necessarily a front desk is going to have or the office manager. It relieves a lot from them because you don't want to be like over an hour with an insurance company trying to figure out, okay, like, does this patient has a balance or doesn't have a balance, like trying to understand what's going on during the account. All the office cares about how much do I have to charge the patient and how about it. So we make it simple.
1: So you really hone in on being able to create repeatable processes. And I've heard you talk about automation a few times now. You know, I have to call out in your background, you have a degree in project management and industrial engineering. And I don't typically run across folks in dental with that background. Um, How do you think about the impact that having an industrial or an engineering degree has played in how you view dentistry and operating within your organization?
0: I think because I'm an industrial engineer, it shaped my role very differently. I'm someone very hands-on, an engineer that likes to see things, that like to touch things, right? So when I go to the office, I like to see how people work with the process in place. And if I see something is wrong, that it's going on my list, that this is going to go improve. Everything I do in the company, I think about it like an engineer. An engineer is known to be black and white. Sometimes I go to the gray area when we're in the talent acquisition or the HR, but it helps a lot because I look a lot of the numbers. Obviously, I'm very number oriented. The first thing you do when you start the company is that, how do I measure what I do? Because if you just do things without measuring them, you don't know where you're going. So it's very important. And the good thing is Dr. Azad has a mining engineering as well. So we're kind of on the same page. It's important because if the leadership is on the same page, how you view it, which is vision is the most important. So like this, there is no miscommunication down the line or we're talking the same language. It makes it very easy to operate. For me, like I operation is just in, in my blood at this point. I just do it because that's what I like doing. This is what I do.
1: So I think you just said something that was really important. You said that you make sure that you're able to measure what is important to determine whether or not you're being successful. What are some of the things that you focus on measuring? What are the important metrics for you?
0: New patient counts is very important. How many patients are coming back, our turnover in the offices, even patients or staff. Staff are very important. We measure a lot our staffing because you want to avoid rotation because it just takes a very long time, hiring and retraining the people, it measure production. Usually, like if you want to ask me, when I wake up in the morning, what do you look at? I look at the patient flow, which is split into the new patient, the recall, the treatment and the production for our day. I have to make sure all the staff are showed up for the day because this winter has been very tough that people have been very sick. But those are usually the top metrics that we look at.
1: Let's talk about staffing for a second, because it is a, a very hot button issue right now in Dental. And I know that a lot of practices across the country are having a hard time in finding team members and keeping their offices staffed. As you view your staffing needs, what are some of the things that you do as a company or as an organization to be attractive to potential candidates? And Once you have people join your company, what are some of the things that you do that you think are maybe relatively unique that help build a better culture to help with that retention?
0: You have to be price competitive, right? Like you have to pay the price market, but salary is not everything. One thing that is very important to employees is the environment in the office and the tools they work with. If you give them tools that are crashing every day, I can guarantee you they're not going to stay long because they're going to have to deal with a lot of frustration. And when you're frustrated, you're going to be frustrated in the person in front of you. And the person in front of you doesn't care if your tool is good or bad. They expect you to be perfect. They expect you to be compassionate. They expect you to smile every day. So you have to make their work environment good for them to thrive. If not, it's not going to work. You know You have to make it very straightforward. You have to make it that they don't work overly hard to get what they need. Just give them the information in front of them as soon as possible, because dealing with a patient in front of you, it's not the easiest. You know, dentistry is very tough. I think society doesn't give it enough credit. Unfortunately, I don't know why we're in that bottom chain of the medical. We're not as important. It's a tough industry. It's not easy to find people to deal with dentistry, knowing that you already, when you come in, you don't want to be there.
1: That's really well said. And you're one of our clients. You use our practice management solution. As you're well aware, we had an outage just recently, and that created, I imagine, some very challenging environments within your practices and with your staff. How do you handle when something like that happens internally? What kind of backup plans can you have in place And what is the communication look like in order to help support your staff and give them confidence that you can make it through a situation along those lines?
0: That's a great point. You know, when you rely on a system, it's very tough when it stops working. It's like you have internet and suddenly it's down. You're working from home. There is nothing you can do, right? It's difficult. For example, if our internet, we have redundancy in every office to make sure that doesn't happen. Dentagon, unfortunately, we don't really have much to replace other than you can do paper things. Uh, like if Dentagon goes down while I'm doing your root canal, no big deal. I can still do my dentistry regardless. We can still take x-rays if we need to. Like if a patient walk in in pain, we can treat them. But other than that, like if a patient comes and ask a question, I cannot answer. I'll have to let them know that Fine, give me your information. I'm going to call you right back in a little bit. We can still book up with Probably they're going to be booked a little bit further because people kind of remember the schedule that they are looking at, and then they're going to call them back to confirm the information that they're requesting. I don't really have a 100% bulletproof that, okay, if Pentagon is down, can we still operate 100%? No. That's why we rely on our main vendors that you got to have a strong and a solid redundancy in place to make sure we don't go down. Now, if we go down five minutes, it's very different than going down over an hour, right? Because five minutes, fine. The patient wait 10, 15 minutes, they understand. But if it drags a couple of hours, you unfortunately just can't see the patient. So for some things, you have a work around it. But for not, unfortunately, sometimes you just can't see and you're down and everybody is not working
1: that is why it's mission critical software right it needs to be up for a reason does sound like you'll have some plans that you can put in place when things like that occur but it certainly creates challenges that you have to face now when you come out of a scenario like that your team looks to you and they have questions how do you handle that communication about your commitment to a vendor or to a product When there has been a challenge like that, is there any type of messaging that you're able to share with the team that helps them have confidence in how things are going to be moving forward?
0: So one thing you know a lot about me, I'm very transparent and I'm very transparent with the staff as well. So when that happened, we either communicate by email or by Teams. So usually in this major situation, I did email everyone that we are aware of this issue and Denticon has been on it. Unfortunately, I do not have an ETA, but this is what's going on. Then every 30 minutes, I've sent them a pull-up email, either I have an update or not, just to let them know that, hey, I'm with you, I hear you, we're all in the same boat. I know that our vendor is doing our best. So I actually kept sending follow-up emails every 30 minutes. And then at the final solution, I did send out an email and said, okay, this is what happened. This is the plan. And I'll make sure to keep in contact with Denticon to avoid this happening in the future. So I keep them updated. Listen, at the end of the day, there is no I don't think there is a perfect software, but controlling the risks of going down of having a power outage is important. But sometimes it happens. Maybe you have an earthquake in a, I don't know, maybe you could have redundancy. You have one server on the West Coast and one on the East Coast. Okay, I don't know what happens. Maybe there is a snow storm in the East Coast and an earthquake on the West Coast. So you did your best, but it is what it is. Like sometimes there, you can control the risk as long as we thought about them and we put a plan around it. it and there is a 1% chance that it's going to happen. If people believe that, okay, fine, like most of the time we're in control, but it could go down, let's say a couple of hours, that's fine. It really depends on the frequency. People, they do have some patience, like they do understand that technology is not perfect, but they do expect that they want it. And believe me, when they, they go there, they remind me like, hey, it was down, so we didn't do well on that day. I think I get it, but. I'm not blaming you why you didn't do well on that day.
1: So it is what it is. So you guys have nine different locations currently. Is that correct?
0: Yes. So we have nine under the Kelly Dental brand, and one uh, partnership office in the Los Angeles area. It's under Star Family Dental, but they use the same thing.
1: Okay. So in the software world, we talk a lot about ideal customer profile, and that's you know the right fit for where our software is going to work the best, and which clients will be able to get the most value from what we have to offer. As you think about growing CaliDental, is there an ideal practice profile? Is there something specifically that you look for as you seek out additional acquisitions? What is kind of your strategy there? Are you all de novos?
0: All CaliDental is de novos.
1: So tell me a little bit about what the model is then for the de novos that you open.
0: So we usually go and open in rural cities. That's why you see us in Lubbock, Santa Maria, Bakersfield. We recently opened in Seaside, the Monterey County, Paso Robles, which is uh, in the San Luis Obispo County. And we don't open in big cities where like San Jose, Los Angeles, or San Diego. First of all, there's a lot of competition and usually this is where all the dentists want to be, and nobody is left to go serve the out of reach like what well, I would say in the suburb and the rural area. so this is what we want to do. We're very involved in the community, so we choose where I would say nobody wants to be and we open there and doctors go there and in the beginning they be like, "Oh my God, I didn't even know that Loko existed on the map and now I love being there. At the end of the day, it's California, so I think it's tough not to like it. But the whole Central Coast, I think, is a gem, for example, for doctors that like, oh, I only know LA and San Jose and San Francisco. Well, I get it. That's why we do a lot of recruiting effort to show them like, hey, there is a value in being in these cities to make sure that they go there and they stay there for the patient care. So that's the first thing. Usually we serve underserved areas. so. We offer dental care services for dental patients mainly. And obviously we see the rest of them like PPOs and cash. But usually when you go to the rural cities, usually more people are on Medicaid. Usually our offices are pretty big. They're 5,000 square feet. We try to make it a one-stop shop. So we offer general dentistry, cosmetic or surgery, pediatric, orthodontists. Usually in every office we do that. In our newer offices, some of them, they start with general dentistry. And then every three months, three to six months, we launch a new specialty, depending on what they need. Like if we feel that the need is very much on period, then we're going to bring it period first. Then if we see like, no, it's probably over surgery, then we're going to bring all surgery. We do IV as well. So that's part of the pediatric specialty. So we have a dental anesthesiologist that comes on site. And we take care of mostly 80% of the kids that really need to be put under, special need kids as well. We take care of them. So we're here for the families that can sometimes afford dentistry. We make it affordable for them. And we try to give them as much services as possible in their area for them to avoid to go to, let's say, UCLA or to go to other big cities to make sure that they get the treatment.
1: That's great. So I would imagine, I I know the answer to this question, but how much of your success then and the success of your practices would you attribute to the connection that you have with the communities that you work in and the businesses that they're in contact with and work with?
0: I think all our success is based on community trusting you. It builds up. Like right now, obviously, right now is easier when you have one or two offices because you already build the brand, you already prove what you can do the community know about you. Like when we opened Paso Robles, which which is 25 minutes away from our slow office, we had a lot of patient reno kids because they actually live in Paso Robles. They already know. Oh, okay. Like they walked in, it all looks the same color. Obviously it's newer, but it's all the same colors, the same vibe, the same process, the same thing. So for them, you know what you're doing. Uh, I'm walking in, they get... The x-rays, they get a a treatment plan, they get the explanation done, and they go on with their day. So the patient have to trust on what you're doing, and that's what it comes down to dentistry. They have to like the doctor doing the work, and they have to believe that, okay, I need a fitting. Actually, I I really do need it, because if not, it's going to be an extraction and a year down or two.
1: Going back to the comment that you were talking about where you're recruiting doctors, and given the locations of your practices, Are you saying that the majority of those nine practices and the providers that work within them were recruited and relocated specifically to these locations to practice? 100%
0: of our doctors are recruited and relocated.
1: Let's switch to just kind of thinking about 2024. And as you're looking ahead, what are some of the goals that you have and what are some of the things that are concerns of yours?
0: So actually, 2024 is going to be a great year for us because now we just opened four de novos. We actually opened the number four last Monday. So now we want to take the time to bring these four to maturity, make sure that everybody is feeling comfortable in their environment and everybody is providing the good care to patients and excellent customer service. And there's a lot that we're going to be doing around it. Actually, we changed our logo. So we we are working on a new website. We will be launching a new website. Example, we're changing our phone system to make it more AI friendly and more guidance to our agents. We're working on a lot of in the things in the background. One thing we're going to do is there's a lot of things that are still done manually, I would say, at many positions that we have to review to say okay how we can make it easier for people to get the information and make it faster.
1: Can you give a few examples of what some of those things are that you're focusing on?
0: Let's say the front desk, right? Like when they talk about insurance eligibility. When a patient walks in, you know the difference between all always compare ourselves like to the medical. The medical it's so easy. They click a button, they know right away how much you owe, what's the difference, and you already expect that you are getting a bill. In dentistry If you don't collect right there, if you don't tell them right there how much you owe, then whatever you send them in the mail, why you didn't tell me about it? Or why am I supposed to pay? Well, I don't know. Like, it's very different. We agree on that. But this is a very frustrating point to patients as well. Like, okay, like I want to know how much I owe you if I do like five fittings today or two fittings or one crown or one implant. I mean, right now we actually have a third party that do it for us. It's not automatic at all. I would like to automate this process to make sure we have eligibility. Another thing rather think that even eligibility is so simple, but it's just time-consuming and you have to go through multiple pages. Even with the state of California, they go through automated process online that you have to go check the eligibility of the patient, Then you have to go to a different page, check the history. We want to look into if there is any connection we can get through all the payers that, you know what, with one click. I can see what their coverage is for the day, how much the patient will owe money on the services. We are very transparent with the patient. This is what you owe. This is how much available you have. This is what you can right away do, maybe without paying the time. In this case, the staff are not upset that like, oh, well, I don't have this coverage. Well, I don't know. Or, oh, well, the wrong information was entered. Or something is different. This is like a very small project that people... It's like, oh, well, that's all you want. Like, how difficult is it to go on a website and check eligibility? You'd be shocked that if I just do this one project, people would be like, oh, my God, like you just made that day. Every little thing you do, I believe it helps. And I can go on about there's a lot of project that could be done that can help. There is some things that could help. Some things cannot help. For the doctors, for example, I mean, we're not much talking about AI, but AI, which is Denticon launched, I think it's helpful. They can verify their diagnostic. They don't have to rely on someone else coming to tell them, "Hey, what do you think is happening?" So the AI is becoming another set of eyes for them, which it does accelerate because, like this, you're more confident into talking to talk into the patient, more confident into doing a treatment plan with the patient, and if the patient is hesitant, when well, you tell them, "Hey, look, I can even show it to you on the screen what's going on," Th- those are just two examples that. I can think of right now.
1: How are the doctors, as it relates to AI, an open-mindedness to incorporate AI into their practice?
0: I think overall, they love it. The more and more they're going to get used to it, they're going to be dependent on it. We still have to convince our senior doctors that they think that, oh, why would I need AI? I have 15 years experience. But I think down the line, they're going to see that What do you get to lose? Just, it's another AI giving you their opinion. I mean, just look at it. If you don't like it, fine. If it's measuring you, the bone loss for you, why would you want to do it yourself? It's there. It's pretty much exact. So, and it's making your life easier. I think we're on the right path doing AI. I think it is important for them, but they may be looking at it without telling. And I'm sure they're doing that because they don't want to like, say, oh, yeah, they probably catching more cavities, that I think the vision has. So, but I'm pretty sure they have it in the back of their mind.
1: We'll wrap up here in just a couple minutes. I am curious. You're obviously very well educated and you've been working in the industry for many years now. How do you stay on top of new trends? Where do you go to learn? What is your approach to continuing to improve over time?
0: So I have a lot of relationship with a lot of dentists. I have a lot of uh, relationship in the medical as well. You know, my husband is a consultant in healthcare. So consultants are on top of what's going into industry. So we talk a lot about, okay, what's the new trend? We read a lot of art. I did a lot of articles about what's going on, what's new. I actually read about AI almost five years ago. And it's funny because I texted both of my partners, that both dentists. And I was laughing like, oh my God, look where dentistry is going to go. And it's so funny. Now we have it in our practices. I-, I think it's a lot talking to people, networking. I mean, I'm almost in every networking event with Denticon. We take our top three vendors and we're almost in every event they have. So to get the technology, to see what's going on. Obviously, we almost attend every single CDA. So we go around, we see what's going on. Okay, like what's new? Um, it could be handpiece, it could be equipment, it could be a new digital impression machine that we have. It could be anything that the doctor could use, or the dental assistant is using, or everybody in the company is using. And usually, if I see something new in the market, I start asking people like, "Hey, what do you think about this? Have you used it? Have you noticed? So what do you think about it?" Like if if you get it for free, like would you use it? What would you think about it? I think this is my way of doing things is talking to people to see how they do things. And sometimes I just get what I think is useful and try it. If it works, it works. If not, then I put it behind my back and go on.
1: I love the thought of if you get it for free, would you use it? Cause that really sets whether or not there is any value whatsoever. If the barrier to entry is free. No, that's great. So last question, then we'll wrap it up here. What are you most excited about as you kind of look into the future? It can be something related to Cali Dental or dentistry in general or anything at all. But what is something that right now really kind of makes you excited?
0: I'm very excited that, especially for our offices, it's not easy to open where we are. But something we are very proud of is that we can actually provide dental services to people that don't have access at all. Sometimes you look at it and you're like so emotional with people thanking you that you're just even open to see them. Because if not, they don't get the work done or they have to drive 34 hours to get it done and they barely can afford the treatment. There's a lot of gratitude with that. On a personal level, it tells that, you know what, I'm going to push through the stress I have and the pressure and make it happen for these people. But one thing as well, at a work level, every year we have to improve something. Every quarter we look at, okay, how can we do better in everything we do? We take like probably one department, okay, how can we make it better? Reporting could be done better. Billing could be done better. Every little thing that we improve, it helps everyone. And that's exciting because it's a new thing. You look at it, you think about it, and everybody gets excited with changing things around.
1: I like that a lot. I think that the approach of small improvements over time, you know, 1% improvements compounds to equal a lot if you continue to improve day in, day out. And, you know, you mentioned, hey, we're doing the best that we can do. And that's kind of how I feel about this first episode. We did the best that we could do. I really appreciate having you on and being willing to be our first guest. And Randa, we really enjoy working with yourself and your team, and so just thank you very much. It was a pleasure. Thank you. The Dental Economist Show is brought to you by Planet DDS. To find out more about how cloud-based dental software by Planet DDS helps unleash dentists and their staff to focus on patient care, visit www.planetdds.com. Stay tuned for upcoming episodes by following wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening.